Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, almost 100 movies, one cage. This is episode 99, a score to settle from 2019. I'm Mike Mint. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. No guest today. We are so close to episode 100. I think, according to Letterboxd, this is maybe his 89th movie that I've ranked. So I think we're, we're, cl- we're closing in slowly on 100. But next episode, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be Cage Club number 100. That's amazing. That's amazing. And Joey, welcome back to Cage Club, by the way. It I feel took, like it's been a while. It took seven full months this year for a new Cage movie to come out. I mean, we did earlier this mm-hmm. year uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with Nico and Kevo and Jonah. This is the first new release Cage movie this year. And I'm going to say right off the top, not a good movie, but wow, is it a lot of fun to watch, because it oh, is crazy. Kind of worth the wait, you know, if you ask me. it's It ticks off a lot of my cage boxes here. Not a great movie, but I really had fun watching it. The other big-ish news is that at TIFF this year, so in about a month, they're going to be debuting Color Out of Space. It's like the Lovecraft, and then the guy who is supposed to do... The Island of Dr. Moreau. And then they did that great documentary about him. Yes, Richard Stanley. Yes. So yes. this is like going to be this crazy, weirdo, sort of science-y, science fiction-y. So I don't know if we're going to get that soon. Like, I don't know what the distribution for that is, because it felt like Mandy we were never going to get. And then when it was in select theaters, it also just hit VOD. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping, I mean, I would love to see, you know, Color Out of Space get a real theatrical release. But at the same time, I would love to just have, like, by this point in Cage Club, I just sort of want to have things just plopped in front of me, either on (laughs) Netflix or on VOD, and just, like, let me watch them as soon as I can. Like this one. This is on VOD and in theaters, I mean, technically. It's one of his straight-to-video-on-demand movies. And And it's coming out on Blu-ray, I think, September 24th. So if you want the physical copy, you can pre-order right now on Blu-ray for $15 on Amazon. So not too expensive. Yes. Because we were recording The Burbs with Lindsay Gibb, who we've had on this podcast a lot. We were doing it for Hanks for the Memories. She's like, oh, I got an email from a company letting me review a new Nicolas Cage movie early. Which, by the way, where's our email? Why can't we do that? We got to get on some mailing lists. We were like, oh, that's cool. I guess there's one coming soon. And then, like, it felt like three days later, out of nowhere on a Friday, dropped on demand. Exactly. Right. It was just like, you know, you get out of work. It's like, what's on? Wait a minute. What? When did this happen? It's just, yeah. I like that, though. Just sort of like dropping new cage bombs without even knowing about it. So if you're new to Cage Club or you're new to our podcast network or you uh, just only listen to this and none of the other shows, Mike and I every Friday do a Tom Tom Club. We alternate Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories. We alternate the two different Toms. The way that we do those podcasts now to sort of keep the, the conversation moving and focused instead of just like recounting, recapping everything, we talk about our favorite moments and our least favorite moments. So I think let's just do like, go back and forth and just talk a little bit each time about the things that we found wonderful (laughs) about this movie. The first thing I want to say is that finally my dreams that I did not know are fulfilled in that Nicolas Cage yells Joey probably 150 times in this movie, and I felt... so happy. I was like, this is my personal heaven. Nicolas Cage is speaking directly to me. Thank you. He has one of his freakouts is just screaming Joey over and over. And I was so happy for you. Like I was laughing so hard. Like I knew that this movie was going to go special places, but that was terrific. Are you going to sleep the whole day away? Joey? Hey. Hey, Joey. Hey, 
Joey! 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 Dad! 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 People are still sleeping. Where were you? I, I don't think he's ever screamed my name on film, but now I'm going to have to keep an ear out for it. But I think we've had Mike's for sure, but I mean, never like... Because it, it it's not only that his son in this movie is named Joey, but it's that every, th- every time he talks to him, which is a lot, he'll say his name in a sentence. <laughs> and then there's the freak out where he's just shouting the name over and over again. It, it's almost like... The one thing that I feel like he could have said the name more often is when he's talking to other people about him. He's not like, oh, my son Joey, just like my son. I'm like, oh, you got to – come on, just drop that name one more time. Like, there's, <laughs> It's almost as often as he possibly can, not quite but close. I want to uh, go with another uh, or a favorite moment of mine. It's related to this because I like how Cage in recent freakouts kind of like takes one word and runs with it, and he does it twice in this movie. He does it with Joey, mm-hmm. and then at the end – he does it with beef. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> he's like, I ain't got beef with you. He's like, beef, beef. And he keeps saying it like over and over and over. Yeah. yeah. And it's terrific. It's so great. And he's in full cage mode by that final scene. It's okay. It's all right. His beef is with me. Beef. Beef. You have my son killed. He lies straight to my face about him. Did you think? I've got beef with you. I didn't mean. Keisha. You think beef is an accurate description of what I've got with your father? Okay, okay. And I do wonder, like, it, it makes me a little sad. I mean, it's, I know it's sort of what people want to see these movies for, but, like, a lot of this movie is just Cage doing crazy things to do crazy things, it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, <laughs> like, making decisions, whether they're in the script or he's just doing things. It's hard to tell, I think, at this point. If there's two options, there's, like, door number one and door number two, he's going to kick down door number three, and in there's going to be a baseball bat <laughs> that he's going to use to bash it. Like, it's just, like, where do these things come from? I don't know. I, I but, uh... It's terrific. Like, I have a whole list here, Joey, of, like, bingo card uh, oh, things that we I thought about do. that, too, because what what was the one that kicked off your brain? That Like, what, what made you think of the bingo cards? Because there was one oh. specific thing that I thought, okay. and I, wanna, I, well, I bet it might be the same thing. Well, right away, something I feel like we haven't seen in a while. It's a Saturn Films logo. Saturn Films logo, for sure. Yes, number one. Uh, that was not what made me... I wrote that down, oh, but okay. I did not... That was not what, what triggered bingo in my brain. We get a great... I feel a great-looking young Nick Cage look-alike in this. Is that one? Young Cage? Oh! Young Nick Cage? I didn't think... I guess in in the baseball bat torture scene? Yeah, I was like, is that supposed to be Nick Cage? Like, oh, 20 damn, I gotta years watch ago? I got watch it again. I didn't see... Okay, okay. okay. And, uh, and then they cut to him in prison. Yep. So we got, like, prison there. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> so this movie is about... What we f- eventually find out the reason is, is that... Cage works for the mob or some kind of likewise affiliation, right? His boss is torturing a guy to get information and then beats him to death with a baseball bat. (laughs) And so Cage takes the rap for him and the mob says, we'll give you $450,000. You have to go to prison for five, maybe six years tops. After that, you'll be out. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of your family. His wife had just died. You know, it's him and Joey alone at home. And it seemed like they had sort of gone through a rough patch after the mom died. But he says toward the end that he was like, they were getting, like they were starting to get along again. And then Cage went to jail. He thought the money was going to be good. I guess it is. And he thought that he was only going to be there for five or six years. 
turns out he's in jail for 19 years, and he only yeah. gets let out because he has what I had to Google, which apparently <laughs> is a real a real disease. It's insomnia, isn't it's it? It's fatal sporadic insomnia. He says, I can't sleep. There's something wrong with my brain. It's incurable and untreatable. So I Googled them. Like, is this real? And fatal insomnia, which includes fatal familial insomnia and sporadic fatal insomnia, are rare hereditary or sporadic prison disorders causing difficulty sleeping, motor dysfunction, oh. and death. So wow. you can die from this, but they basically, it's kind of like a compassionate release. Like, you're going to die from your insomnia. We can't have you in prison. We're going to let you go. And it's like, Which, oh, okay. He goes on a killing spree. So, like, bad call. You know, just because someone's got, like, dementia doesn't mean he should be roaming the streets, like, right. free to, like, you know, exact a revenge fantasy or anything. Oh, boy. <laughs> It is wild. Mm -hmm. He then goes out to settle the score, the titular a score to settle, and (laughs) basically take out the mob who put him away, and not only put him away, but didn't take care of his son who was turned into a junkie and is just addicted to heroin or coke or crack or something. Like, he's got got drug issues, right? And Joey, I mean, can we just say it now? I mean, this is something that I've been waiting for for a while in Cage Club. Um, It's it's like a whole Fight Club uh, situation here. Joey's... Imaginary for the entire movie. Okay, I wasn't sure because I saw that scene and I was like, am I (laughs) seeing what I think I'm seeing? Right in prison when the lady's like, you know, side effects of this drug, because I think they give him like GHB. Yep which is like a super sedative and thing. He's like, you might hallucinate and stuff. And as soon as he gets out, this kid walks up to him and he's like, he's like, my son Joey or something like that. And I was like, oh shit, this kid's not real at all. The whole wow. movie, he's going to be talking to himself. I And that got me super into it. Like, that's what I was like clinging to for the first sort of like 15, 20 minutes. It's like, this is terrific. Because there was the little scene toward the end where like they yeah. sort of, they show the, the, the restaurant and a couple scenes and it's just Cage alone and you hear Joey's voice. But I was like, Do they just separate? Like, I was like, I don't know. When Joey called, like, they go to get cell phones. Like, this is a crazy movie to think about, like, what it actually is like. But they go to buy cell phones. Joey calls him the, or what he calls the face call. Not FaceTime, but face, he face called me. And then Mm -hmm. the kid at the hotel is like, oh, yeah, there's no calls in here. Could you have deleted it? He's like, I wouldn't put it past myself. But the fact that that's not really, truly, I don't think, ever effectively hammered home is is more bananas than the twist. It's crazy town because when the reveal comes, uh, and I don't know, it's easy to miss. Like, Cage goes to the graveyard to visit his wife's grave. And then he looks over and then he sees Joey's grave. Oh, I didn't... Okay. And then I was like... Oh my god, the hammer has hit the nail. And that's when they do those two or three little M. Night Shyamalan Sixth Sense okay. shots where like he's not really I there. I saw the wife's grave, and then I, I, I looked down to, to type something in my notes, and then I looked up, and I saw he's looking at another grave, and I just, for whatever reason, didn't go back. That one yes. grave, I missed, oh man. But like, I got so the, that's I got little the, Joey's grave. I got the inkling, but wow, 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 wow. Yeah, I mean, this thing is trying to just do it all it's crazy like at first i was sort of upset that he wasn't killing more people sooner or anything but then i just realized what the movie was trying to do you know like i feel like at first oh man like they they sort of tricked me but i was like no this is like one of those crazy contemplative killer movies who's like at the you know it's his last hurrah right this is his final he knows it's like a suicide mission and and it took me a while to sort of like 
figure that out, that it's not going to be like a Rambo type thing or anything like that. Cage is too old right now, I think, to, to run around that much. And then there's the added irony or whatever. So he meets a, uh, so he's talking to, he's talking to Joey about, uh, he's like, do you have a girl? And then later, like 15 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour later, he's like, I do have a girl. Her name's Lorraine. We're getting pretty serious. And he's like, oh, that's my mother's name. I was like, ew, gross. In the middle of the movie, he meets a hooker with a heart of gold, basically. This woman, yes. Simone, whose real name is Jennifer. And Cage drops her <laughs> off at home. And I was like, that seems like a bad idea for so many reasons. And then he calls back the, the, the weird pimp who, like, hands him a business card in a parking lot of this, like, really nice hotel. He calls him back and says, I want Simone. And a different Simone shows up. And then the pimp shows up because, she like, Cage doesn't oh. want that Simone. We find out that Simone is scared of Cage. It's like, well, if you're scared of Cage, why would you let him drop you off at home? I, I know that she said he, like, he, he thought he crossed the line at the end there. But I feel like if you have any reservations and you are a, a woman of the night, don't let him drop you anywhere near where you live. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, this whole prostitute subplot is out of control. Like, I, I love it. It, it. I got a total leaving Las Vegas thing from it because he, like, hires her. They're having sex in the hotel room. And then he, like, takes off his shirt and she sees all of his, like, prison tattoos and his bullet wounds and all this stuff. And she's, like, starting to fall for him. And I was like, are we going to get a Instantly. beautiful woman? A beautiful woman finds Cage irresistible? That, that was the one that triggered bingo in my brain because it's like he pays her for sex i wrote down the quote she says you're so good he says you mean for like after she rolls off him and says you're so good she he says you mean for an old man she says for any man wow you're amazing and i was like oh boy what is what is happening here (laughs) yeah and i thought that was just you know like hooker talk but no because like cut to them driving around on like an impromptu date then they're banging again like in the car by the river or the lake or something buys in cash yes when he digs up that big chest of cash in the we know he goes into the woods early on and he like there's that shack and he picks up a toy red sports car Mm. and that's when my my i freaked out i screamed red sports car that's how into this i was getting so he's got a little cabin in the woods sort of where it seems (laughs) like he it's in the backyard of someone else's house right is right. that supposed to be like his house situation from and that's where they used to live because they I don't, don't even give us they don't give a city name the city is one of those movie cities where if you need a suburbs it's like right there yep. like whatever you need you know the woods the suburbs a lake the, the beach i don't know <laughs> and so he goes out there and there's like a chest of four hundred fifty thousand dollars cash a bloody baseball bat, which I get, we later learn is the evidence, and a baseball card that apparently has tremendous value, yet is just sitting out there, not protected. Cage is like handling with his like bare fingers, just sliding into his shirt pockets. Like, if this is like a baseball card that they're basically talking about, like you can retire on, why are you showing it? No respect. Like, it's like that card has such little. Va- like, I was just like that broke my brain as like a former collector of baseball cards. I was like, you gotta, what are you, what is going on? <laughs> I was trying to guess if whether or not that was even. Even like a real guy and it was valuable and then my brain snapped because i was like when does this movie come out why are they in a taxi why isn't it like a lyft or an uber or something like that maybe do you need like permission to use that name i guess and you can just say taxi but you could you could come up with i don't know you can come up with something because they did instead of facetime they came up with Face something call. right because i feel like i thought about this and i even though uber and lyft are so mainstream now in our world that even my parents have taken Ubers. You know what I mean? Like, if, if my parents know what it is, 
it's mainstream. And I feel like it's still not quite mainstream enough that, like, if you're in a movie and somebody just gets into a car, people are going to be like, wait, what's, what's, what's happening? Like, whose car is that? I feel like in movies, cabs are going to be around for a while just because it's, like, a definitive, like, ride for hire. You know what I mean? Okay. And I, I think it's, like, not a shortcut, but it's just, like, a we're going to sort of take the questions out. But I agree with you. Like, there, it wouldn't be a cab, especially a $300 cab ride. Where do they go? Okay, so they didn't fool me for a second this is and this is and i don't mind this but like this is one of those movies where they rented a an amazing mansion they try and pass it off as a hotel in this movie i was like that is not a fucking hotel <laughs> like it could have been so much cooler i think if he just rented a house because you know it's like the last month of his life and he's splurging because it is kind of like a leaving las vegas deal where like mm-hmm. he you know he knows he's you know at the end of his rope so why not just splurge and be like yeah i got this house to myself or something but that was hilarious but i feel like the only reason it's not that is because they want the shorthand the easy easy bit or whatever of him running it like literally almost running into the hooker you know there's very few locations here so i don't think they could have afforded like to go to a bar or rent a bar or get enough extras or anything that maybe i mean later on at that wedding scene it's a pretty i mean maybe we're early at that wedding but it's kind of an empty wedding (laughs) actually i do want to give this movie credit i mean it doesn't look good but it looks better than i was fearing it was gonna look if that makes sense Mm. well it shot well you know what i'm saying like yeah whoever's like composing it and the cinematographer like that's very nice looking like there's some really nice looking shots especially the nighttime photography and stuff yeah and i i mean i feel like technology's gotten cheap enough and it's it's distributed enough that like there's no reason for a movie to look bad anymore. Like it can look cheap like this, like in terms of the digital video stuff, but like there should there's no reason why you shouldn't have like a crystal clear, beautifully framed you know what I mean? It's just like we've mm-hmm. we've made it all so easy for you to handle. Don't give us like a muddy, ugly movie, which I feel like we've seen a handful of times in recent cage movies. You know, that's just that's a real true positive about this movie you know whether or not you like it or not you can't say that it's ugly like it definitely looks good i think there's some really interesting shots like they hold on cage especially early in the prison i knew like early on when he was in the prison hospital and they were releasing him there's just that long pull out on his face and you know and he's just got this weird twisted look on his face Mm -hmm. i was like okay like this movie is gonna sort of like fetishize him at times and it does like it holds on him a lot and yeah, it's well composed, and and we only get like his sleepy vision at the very very end, uh, and so like I was glad that we didn't have too much of that point of view, you know, where he's like stumbling around and it's all like multiples and things. I was thinking about how weird of a casting call it must be to play his wife in this movie because she is dead. Dead again between worlds. Oh, Joey's between worlds. This is well, that, crazy. That's like, what I was thinking. I was getting... <laughs> There's a lot of like temporal flashbacks. Like I wrote down like between worlds because I feel like the vibe, the feeling of this is similar to between worlds. We're just like it's like mm-hmm. there's all this sort of like what's real, what's not real, whatever. But the casting call for the wife is that you're dead for the entire movie. It's not like Joey where it's where you're a vision for the entire thing, but you're gonna exist within a few photos and you're going to exist in like when he's having sex with the hooker in the car he's going to look up and see your face and then again the sleepy vision at the end when he's talking to the hooker again he sees his wife again like and that's your entire role it's like that's like what what yeah how do you build on that really i don't understand and then the other thing is oh and you're there's an off you're off screen in a shot where we show your grave so yeah i don't know if you could use that for any motivation but 
action because i was expecting him to maybe hallucinate more like talking about how nice this film looks and stuff like i thought for sure we were going to start playing a game of who's real and who's not i wasn't even sure if the hooker was real the entire time (laughs) i mean i do wonder how much of this is not real like the fact that joey is not real did he actually make 40 solid maple bats in prison that seems crazy but also why didn't he use any of those bats on his oh i have it's it's like Chekhov's bat right but like it's not like it you you see the bat the entire movie and the only time it's used is in the opening scene where he gets put away there's only like two or three guys on his hit list he lets he gets the shit kicked out of him by the first guy which is pretty interesting fight it's okay uh the second guy he catches him at the butcher that's a great place where he goes to the butcher and he's chewing on like that beef stick oh my god like he's like bugs bunny with a carrot like we've we've talked uh, before about like looney tunes sort of things right but this is like very really like bugs bunny chomping a carrot like just getting information it's like what is happening like just like a big old salami (laughs) stick just ah. and then just the guy like gives it up and you know of all the criminals he seems like the nicest but he just gets capped right in the head well he's he's the nicest of criminals because he doesn't fight back you know what i mean because the first guy like they call him the dragon apparently because of his tattooed dick i don't know i think it's a combo of yeah of his member and then he has the big dragon tattoo okay like the girl with the dragon because he's at like some kind of weird brothel maybe tattoo parlor and spins around he's naked he's like oh is this making you uncomfortable he escapes and that's the fight that you're talking about but he that's when he says that max is still alive the boss um because cage is trying to figure out like trying to make sense of things he's like oh max is still alive huh it's like oh shit and then he runs away but then later he gets his comeuppance because cage after he shoots him the ankle to knock him down walks over shoots him in the dick the guy's screaming the cage cups his ear to like listen better and then shoots and kills him i was like whoa wow he goes they won't be calling you the dragon anymore yeah it's like holy shit amazing that was a pretty great shootout too out of nowhere like cage goes to that retirement home to kill the boss max we find out it's his uncle is it his uncle or is that just his uncle like it could either go either way because I was also thinking like oh I'm here to see my uncle which is the only reason they they would let him in you know because he's family oh good call call. I guess it doesn't matter but we found out that Max has been in a coma for 15 years I almost thought like there's no way Max is going to wake up take that bat and smash Cage over the head I thought that too like it's so anticlimactic it's it's such a letdown after this entire revenge vengeance movie (laughs) where he's like it's basically kill Bill Light right where it's like I'm going to get revenge on everybody who put me away and didn't take care of my son and like had me like led my life to be here I'm going to kill all of them and then he gets to him at the end and he's just an old man and it's like oh but then I guess that that's when we find out that Benjamin Bratt is the real mastermind? That that also felt like a stretch. Yeah. I think it was interesting they're trying to do with the boss. Like, the idea that, oh, he's sort of been in a prison of his own, too, right? Like, he's been in this coma, yeah. whatever, for all this time. Like, he's almost had it worse because he's never going to get up again. And, and Cage being, like, all redemptive and stuff. Like, it should work. But, like, you know, the movie just didn't earn it. But, like, it's a very interesting idea where the killer gets to the end of his list and decides, like, I'm, I'm not going to kill anymore. Like, it's over. Like, I've thrown, like, I've had enough. But just, just movie just does not earn it at all. Like, no. it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I was like, wait, what? Because he's, like, standing over him with the baseball bat. And I'm like, this is going to be the movie where Nick Cage bashes a comatose 90-year-old guy to death with a baseball bat. And then he 
doesn't. And I was like, ooh. He just lays the baseball bat on the guy's chest and wraps his hands around it and then walks away. And then talks to the receptionist, who's also the nurse, because I guess she's the only employee at the hospital, because that's all they, that's all they can afford. And she's like, oh yeah, there's a guy who's been coming around for 15 years, or for like four years, or 10 years, or 15 years, or whatever. We just call mm-hmm. him by his first initial. I was like, of course. Of course, the, other, the one other guy that we know is the, is the other bad guy. And then Cage goes to, apparently... Just so happens that Q's daughter is getting married that day. Yeah, and that turns out to be Benjamin Bratt, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's when Cage finally like puts it all together. But I love this nurse because Cage is like, "Do you remember the name of this guy?" And she's like, "Well, he used to come around a lot. He was like super charming. I can't remember his name though. We all just called him Q or something." But I'm we, like, we, "What we, are we you all crazy?" Referred to him by his first initial, Q, and Cage is like, "Oh." <gasps> <laughs> yeah that was great oh, that was boy. great and then that wedding i mean what a wedding that was just that scene is just gold i loved it so much like that the movie did earn this like i feel like cage earned this sort of performance and the whole thing you know and and he's got benjamin bratt there who's like he's professional he's great he was in doctor strange like for a minute and yep. stuff but like he's a good actor and stuff so i could it's I could see Cage, like, I could see him giving a lot for Cage, a lot of room for Cage to do his thing, and I feel it in the scene, too. Like, he's really filling this scene. Well, there's, like, a scene that's, like, two or three minutes long of Benjamin Bratch just, like, holding court at his daughter's wedding and, like, basically going up to every single person there and just like, hey, good to see you. Hey, thanks for being here. Hey, you owe me a dance. Hey, how are you? It's like, what is, like, we get it. But he talks to, like, six or seven people, and then he goes to check on his daughter. Clearly something's wrong because the bridesmaids are running out in terror. And the daughter's like, you might want to come in here. And then Cage, basically knocking on Death's door from Insomnia. Again, Fight Club. Like, that's It's literal Fight Club because he has Insomnia and Joey's not real. And he's hallucinating. It's just... Oh, and Benjamin Pratt almost talks him out of it. Cage shoots him in the knee, and then they have this heart-to-heart, and he decides not to kill Benjamin Pratt, even though he's totally ruined the wedding. And then he walks out. All the cops are outside, ready to arrest him. They see a gun... They shoot and kill him, and as he's dying, he sees Joey all in white, angelic, by his side. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Like, you know, in the way he didn't kill the old man, like, this is the moment, like, you know, he does it too many times, I guess, but that's his thing. He's the killer who never kills. But I love that moment when he doesn't kill Benjamin Bratt. His daughter shoots Cage in the back, and Cage just kind of looks at her like, yeah, I I deserve that. (laughs) Like, okay, I'm going to be dead in a minute anyhow. Um, and that was, that's the whole beef scene, too. He's got a yeah. great freak out with, with Benjamin Bratt, where he's like, I don't want no, I never had any beef with you. And again, beef, it's just like, beef, beef. <laughs> like, that was, that was just crazy. And yeah, hail of bullets, the, the gunshots that he goes out on on the church steps, just glorious. Yeah. When he's when he's with Simone or Jennifer, or whatever the hooker's actual name is, who's also a mom and who also just, you know, Cage gives all the money to. And I was like, why didn't he give to Joey? Oh, right, because Joey's not real. But he gives her all the money. <laughs> like, when, when she first is, I guess, falling in love with him in bed, she's like, oh, you did time. Because she, like, she unbuttons his shirt. He's got a chest full of tattoos. And I was like, oh, kind of reminds mm-hmm. me it's different. But remember Keanu and Pippa Leas, the full chest tattoo. Um, I, don't know if right. we, I don't know if we had really... I mean, Cage obviously has tattoos. He's had tattoos in a lot of things. I think it's even a bingo square. But I feel like yeah, that, like, tattoos, that yeah. whole huge, or like a lot of tattoos on the chest is not something that's usually in his wheelhouse. It was a delight to see. It's usually something, I guess, more character-driven for him, too, right? Because like when we see his tats, like I don't feel like a lot of them are his real ones. Like There may be a couple of them, but they definitely added like the chest and the stomach ones to him here. And they've covered up like his Ghost Rider 
forearm stuff. Like, you don't see that. Yeah, but I like that. I definitely had that written down. Visible tattoos. It was nice that they were incorporated into the story as well. Like, they weren't just for show. So, that was something. Oh, I got a big one. Cage sits down at a piano. Oh, so here's the craziest trivia of all time. <laughs> he learned how to play piano for this movie. No way. That's what I IMDb says. Whether that's true or not, now. I don't know. But according oh. to IMDb, he learned how to play piano for this movie, which seems like a banana's choice. Yeah, that is crazy trivia of the year right there. And then he sings along. I can't remember the little diddle ditty that so he, he sings, sings or anything. He sings an actual song, Chasing Rainbows, Watching Clouds Drifting By. It's apparently some sad song I don't know, but that was his wedding song because his wife, it's just, it seems like he's throwing shade at his dead wife. He's like, yeah, she thought it was a happy song, so it was our wedding song, but like, it's like a depressing song. And then <laughs> the rest of the scene is just him doing like musical improv, like just playing the piano and like yeah. singing all of his lines. Yeah, like, you know, we've talked about i feel like in the past that he sometimes he sings a little right the opera or whatever captain corelli there's a little opera music in the beginning of this too made me think of some stuff but like it's been few and far between for real and i don't think we're ever going to get a cage musical if this is as close as we get uh, a score to settle the musical i'm happy with this scene like this scene was definitely great it makes more sense that joey's not real because they have a very uncomfortable father-son relationship where his son is like basically hey dad go fuck that woman you haven't <laughs> fucked a woman in 19 years unless you were gay in prison you should get laid and then cage is like oh oh joey i'm gonna go do that and so then the next morning joey's talking to him like basically like what happened what happened and then he calls it i don't know if you i don't know if you heard this but we had compromise this yeah i was gonna say what is this he calls it making mercury what is that have you ever nope. said, heard or said that i googled making mercury it's all about how to actually physically make mercury i don't know <laughs> if this is a thing all i can think about and this is maybe a stretch but also this whole movie is a stretch old thermometers where the mercury rises i guess that's like an erection but hmm. still that's like the weird like i lo- don't get me wrong i love it i just don't understand <laughs> it at all yeah i'm in that same boat right there but how incredible would have been if he was like did you compromise her i would have my head would have exploded if he said that. Well, Joe is convinced that the two, that the Fast and Furious writers are listening to our uh, podcast because there's right. things in Hobbs and Shaw that, like, where we talk about or whatever, and I'm like, mm, it's probably not true. But I think it's it's still equally improbable for anybody like who actually is like making these movies to be listening to this podcast. But it's a much more likely scenario that a guy who wrote this movie, who has written two or three movies in his life, found it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like Chris <laughs> Morgan is, like, spending his time, like, counting his millions of dollars and listening to Too Fast, Too Forever. I feel like just some guy who has two movies under his belt, like, there's more, like, it's still not happening. But I think we're yeah. closer to someone, you know, compromising, wink, wink, and then, you know... Hashtag Cage Club or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I feel like at this point, there's a better likelihood of, of someone writing a Cage movie that's heard this podcast before watching The Boy in Blue. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm, I love mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. movie and everything, but it's like, you know, pretty obscure at this point. And to pick up like compromising as a turn of uh, phrase or something like that, like it might be coming from us at this point. So when, when fake Simone or the other Simone shows up, Cage gets mad. Uh, he chases her out of his hotel room by saying, shh. Can't even say it without laughing. Shut the fuck up and get out of here, you phony piece of shit. Amazing. There's some amazing, amazing lines. When he goes to visit the dragon and the the girls, the masseuse, the masseuse girls are there. He goes, "Bitches leave." <laughs> 
I was like, oh my god. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why he's saying... Like, I don't know why he's a sexist monster, but... I was thinking about that, and you know... You know, he's been in prison for 20 years, and when he went in, he was probably, like, this sexist monster, right? Like, he just... uh, Well, he had a wife and kids, so it's hard to... You're right. I'm confused. Maybe it's just part of his sort of bad persona, like he turns it on or something like that. (laughs) There's a lot of shit like that in this movie. Joey supposedly calls him while being tortured by... Q's men. We don't know it's Q's men yet, but he gets called, right? And Cage, somehow, the phone receives the call, and then he converts that to a GPS signal, and then is able to use Google Maps to get to Joey. I was like, this that's not a thing. But also, it was the fakest looking, like, there's just a down arrow, like, in red text. Like, it looked like Google Maps, and there's just a Mm -hmm. red arrow that looks like a PowerPoint, like, flowchart arrow, and then it just says in red text, turn around but like on top of the map i was like what yeah i was like what okay this is i'm i'm laughing so hard right now trying not to die right i saw that and like it's so funny you mentioned that shit because it stuck out so hard to me i've been re-watching twin peaks the return and it felt like it was like evil coops technology because you know like the tech in that series is like very strange and Mm -hmm. stuff so it just felt like a phone from like the twin peaks that like could just do that and like had weird graphics all onto its own design and i was just like this is this is just more great madness now that smartphones everybody has a smartphone everybody sort of knows what looks real and what doesn't look real and whether or not you care about that is a different thing but like when people are on the supposedly on the phone and then they like move the phone away from their ear and like it's just the home screen or it's like a screen that's not the phone or a black screen like why don't you mm-hmm. just like turn the phone off or just be on an actual call or like there's so many ways to just easily fake it so it just doesn't stand out like a sore thumb <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't i mean maybe the the their the whole thing was well he's hallucinating it anyway even if the audience doesn't know it so like let's just do it or whatever but what I liked was where he went to pick up Joey. It was very eight millimeter when he got there. Mm. You know, it was like Max California. This like yeah, like this strung out den, all graffitied warehouse thing. Oh, by the way, I want to say uh, Joe and I have been doing a lot of boyfriend material lately to catch up um, or to sort of finish up. The, the run of that show. The one that we recorded this morning, which will come out in mid to late September, was directed by the guy who directed Kiss of Death. So not exactly 8mm, but that's still weird, kind of gritty oh. mid-90s, okay. what is happening in Cage Cage's life. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about that movie the other day. You know, it's got like Sam Jackson, it's got Caruso in there, Cage is great Little in Junior that movie. Bench pressing a script. Oh, I told it to Joe. He's like, I know that. He's like, why do I know that? That's the takeaway. It's... Cage better yep. pressing a stripper as Little Junior. It's pretty great. Oh, Cage is a dad in this movie again. So, I mean, you know, we find out his kid's dead. Is this but... his oldest child he's ever had? Because it feels like, because I mean, Joe, oh. I mean, Joey's dead. Like, he's not real. But it feels like he's probably mm-hmm. 25-ish. Like, that seems like wildly older than most, if not all, of the other kids Cage has had over the years. Yeah, that's a really good call. I haven't really thought about that um is that sort of like more around the age of one of his actual kids or something is how i mean i don't know how old weston is he's he's is he over 30 i don't he's know because i was sort of old. getting weston cage okay. is 28 he'll be 29 in december okay so like i was sort of almost getting a weston vibe from him because you know he was sort of like gothy and bearded and mm-hmm. not that he was like tall and broad or anything like that but i was just like i wondered somewhere if like since this kid is playing his son if like somewhere inside he was like for motivation it's like maybe i'll just like try and get a little closer to the way his actual son looks another 
twist-ish. Speaking of kids, another twist-ish. It's not like a twist. It's just like a, it's one of those things where Joe and I talk about this a lot on like movies where people who like, I don't know how to say this without being an asshole, but like, or that's something condescending, but like people who like don't watch a lot of movies who are just like blown away by like dumb little things in movies. Like when Jennifer Simone reveals that her kid's name is Joey, it's like mind blown. <laughs> like that's the kind of thing I can see people being like, oh, but like her kid's name was Joey too. It's like, well, yeah, like like what it's not it's not a real kid like it's a movie but i feel like that's yeah. the kind of reveal that people are like can you believe it well what's crazy is like that reveal feels like they're hitting that like harder than his joey actually being dead like that's the weirdest thing it's like cage looks at him and he starts crying and he just goes of course he is <laughs> <laughs> i was like what the fuck yeah i, I still love that day that he made baseball bats in prison like what what? He got orders from, like, all around the world? Was this, like, a internet thing? Is this what he stayed up all night with his insomnia doing, was making baseball bats? I need to know more. I don't know. I really... I don't I don't understand it. Did you catch that Polaroid he had where it looked like him... It almost... I was almost like, is that some kind of picture from Raising Arizona or something? Because he looked like H.I. in the photo. He, had like, he was, like, thin, young, with a mustache, with his arm around a girl. And I was like, what is that... Is that a doctor? I don't know. It was a really weird picture, and I and it made me think of him in Raising Arizona. Another Cajun prison movie. That's right. So maybe, maybe it's a continu- maybe it's a continuation. Maybe you know things don't go well with him and uh, oh dear Edwina, and he just meets. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They have that kid, and then they both fall victim to the mob. And oh boy, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> my my biggest takeaway with this movie is that I'm glad that I mean I don't think there was ever any doubt that this was going to happen, but. 2019, we cannot check off that every year since 1981, since Cage started acting, he's had a movie every year. And not that we were, I don't think there was, a, I don't think we ever thought that he was not going to release a movie this year. You know, being seven months in, being, it was a while. We know that there's about a dozen or so, maybe fewer, but like, say six to ten movies that he's been confirmed for that mm-hmm. are going to come out. But the fact that yeah. we were so far into the year without officially having a movie release, I was like, oh, like, I wasn't really mm-hmm. thinking about that. But now we can sort of rest easy. It happened. Oh, you have no idea the sigh of relief. Like, you could hear me on other shows. We do, like, worried about, like, when's it coming out? What's happening? Like, what, what's going on? And now I think I hear, like, there's going to be another movie next month and maybe another one the month after that. So, you know, he did put out eight movies last year which is an incredible number enjoyed if not all most of them on on their own level not not to 11 but the rest of them uh found a lot of fun in like i said at the beginning like this one was worth the wait like this is great i love this version of cage i love this mode i love these vod movies like i like that i'm able to sort of come down onto their level and watch them and understand them for what they are and not be too judgmental about them and still have a lot of fun you know what this is actually probably setting us up for, Mike, is either later this year having like a jam-packed year or next year being another like maybe not eight release year, but like mm-hmm. it feels like there's so many that are in the works. Either we're going to get a handful, like you said, like another one in a month or whatever. There's going to be the, uh, there's going to be a glut this year or next year's going to see like a bunch of release. You know what I mean? I think like yeah. our patience has sort of finally been rewarded. Something feels like it's about to happen like if not what you just said i feel like maybe like a national treasure three or him being or like one of his films getting a big theatrical release you know like you're saying earlier like with that new sci-fi movie that's 
coming out at the film festival soon and stuff like you know so i feel like something you know fingers crossed something big on the horizon for cage oh yeah i mean you're not to undo your no 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 part three if we get a oh, yeah Avenger three but you know, oh, we'll absolutely see. any other thoughts about uh, a score to settle before we come back for who knows when who knows for what hopefully color out of space but i don't know i think i actually covered like everything oh you know what i was thinking though that since there were so many things knocking off like a bingo list i think it, it's going to be hilarious if he ever actually plays bingo in a movie oh yeah at some point like then I'm, I'm, that's another i'm gonna lose my mind moment so. i'd like to see i feel like we're getting i mean age-wise also like in this movie he's got sort of got the wispy gray white sideburns oh like, right and the chest hair he's aging yeah i can yeah. totally see like a madcap wild uh, him in like a old like a retirement home kind of like a zany comedy but like somehow like just like a surreal like something that's like like with Willem Dafoe as well like you know like dog eat dog level but they're just like <laughs> playing bingo in an old like a retirement home bad grandpa but like good or like if they were the new grumpy old men yeah or something like oh my god <laughs> we're, we're getting there like I feel like he's we talk a lot about you know especially on over on the Tom Tom Club we talk on Cruise and Hanks and we talked a lot in here about how a lot of the leading men in Hollywood don't want to be seen as anything other than that, right? Like, Tom Hanks was afraid doing the burbs was going to mean that he wasn't going to be seen, he wasn't going to be able to do the comedies or everything else because he was going to be, like, a dad now. And I feel like Cage is finally sort of accepting that, like, he's here for other kinds of roles, you know what I mean? And I'm glad of the possibility, like, I'm happy with, like, what that could possibly entail. Like, there's a whole other world of roles and stories and movies and interactions that hopefully, you know, we can see. Yeah, yeah, and I love that he basically just embraces everything about whatever project he's working on. You know, he does not seem bored. He's not checked out here. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to make this work as best he can, and and I'm loving it. You know, I'm feeling it, and he's bringing it, and it was great to be back. Ba-da-bum-bum-ba, I'm loving it. So for all things Cage Club, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, mailbag at cageclub.me. We'll be back hopefully a couple more times this year. I don't know. But every Friday, we've got the Tom Tom Club, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. I also mentioned that Joe and I are doing boyfriend material that's now out every Thursday. Joe was on our inconceivable episode of Cage Club. Joe and I also oh, yeah. have Too Fast, Too Forever every other Tuesday, although right now we're in a stretch where it's going to be every Tuesday for, I think, 10 weeks. There's got a lot of bonus stuff coming up. Mike was on an entire lap of that. Mike's also going to be on an episode in about four or five weeks talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Um, and then, Mike, you also have your third time to charm, the third of the month every month, and we basically have new podcasts every day, every weekday, you know, putting out about 40 or 50 a month. So if you love Cage Club and have not really dabbled in our other content, go do that. It's all available at cageclub.me or wherever you find this podcast. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time for some movie. Also, more importantly, on episode 100, right here on Cage Club. Cage Club.